It's time to swing into the golf world of today. I don't think I've had as much fun on a golf show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart, sponsored by TaylorMade. Terrific voice, and you have enthusiasm. Now your host, the director of fun. Give me that guy all day. He's the best. Keith Stewart. Good afternoon, and welcome to The Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. Thank you for turning into ESPN 920. Well, we have the WGC Dell Technologies Match Play, and if that name wasn't enough, we have the JTBC Classic presented by Barbasol out in Carlsbad with the LPGA. We've got a great golf guest in John Rathhouse. Of course, it's the weekend. Wade Weezer, you're here. Let's use that volume button. Give me the peppers. You know, I always think I'm going to win big because I'm addicted to the shindig. You are. That's for sure. You know why I'm fired up this afternoon? Why is that? Spring break, man. Oh, spring break. Well, spring break for you guys. Spring break for, yes. Hopewell. Don't go to my, Don't go to Miami. I've heard bad things lately. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't heading to South Beach anyway. <laughs> Sounds good. I tan like a rotisserie chicken. So, <laughs> you know, that's not my spot. Although I was breaking out, you know, it is spring break, so I was breaking out the half shirt, the seaside. Okay. Yeah, eighty-eight one that sure, I have. Sure. So I was, I was, I'm, I'm fired up about the whole thing, and uh, I, uh, I can't wait to get away. Um, which uh, is a quick PSA for everyone that does tune into the pro show week in and week out. Next Friday, I am on spring break with the family, right. and uh, we are heading to Florida. But we're going to take the left coast on. I like sunsets more than sunrises. Oh, look at you. Yeah, I've seen them both. I've Have experienced you? them both many, many times, but I prefer a sunset to a sunrise. So what you're saying is don't freak out if they tune in next week and they don't hear you. Correct. Yeah. Yes, that was back. the PSA. Correct. Good. You're always here for clarification. Well, I need to clarify. Which is, well, Sometimes. if you're working with me, somebody needs to clarify. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And uh, speaking of clarifying things, we should probably talk about our interview guest today, John Rathhouse. He is a former PGA Tour caddy. So he's walked the links of places like Austin Country Club and and the WGC Match Play, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, now he is helped building a brand called the Caddy Network. Um, a bunch of guys have gotten together and they're telling all sorts of insider stories and tales. And, and uh, I don't know much more than that. That's why he's coming on. He's a good friend and a really, really good storyteller guy, etc. Um there's a lot going on in the golf world these days. We have our first major championship of the year next uh, week uh, with the Chevron championship for the ladies. And then the week following, of course, we have our trip down Magnolia Lane to Augusta National um, for the Masters. So we'll have all sorts of fun things. I've, I've got a bunch of questions for him and we'll have some fun. Now, speaking of questions and interview guests, I've been on a roll lately with Read the Line and our Celebrity Insider interviews sure i've been having some fun man i mean we just we go deep into the rolodex of You're a fun guy well you know i'm the director of fun you know, you know so i wake up every day well yeah you say it's like a surprise <laughs> gracias i appreciate the uh, compliment there You're welcome. um but uh this past week i had it on an old friend from the radio show uh, eric anders lang filmmaker uh, visionary behind random golf club really cool guy lives there in austin and he did a little video where he uh he did the whole thing where he played from the championship tees of the PGA tour and said, can I break 90? And he's a, he's a, he's a good golfer. I mean, right. he's a single digit handicap, but he, he always shows you how hard it is out there of the type of golf course those guys play. And 
I've been around Eric before and, and seen him play golf. So, like, I mean, he could play a little bit. You know what I mean? He could definitely right. break 80 on an average golf course. So when he goes out there and, and he struggles, it's kind of fun to watch. But we had him on um, a couple weeks ago. We had Hal Sutton for the players. So if you're not tuning in, if you're not subscribing to read the line, and not, I'm not talking about just the regular version. We're talking about the member version, right. right? Where we go to the Celebrity Insiders week in and week out for some fun and some insight on the golf course. I mean, he had just played the golf course, so he had all sorts of cool things to say. Like Fresh of, in his mind. Oh, man. One of the cool things he brought up was that he said that, you know, he goes, don't hit it left. And I go, how many times? There's 18 holes. He's like, I don't know, like 15 of them. He goes, there's trouble left like all the time. Right, so right, I started right. thinking about it as I'm handicapping the, the match play. I'm like, hmm. Don't I'm like, well, I'm a right-handed golfer. Right. I, I'm, I'm thinking. See that more for eight, more I, I information. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's the type of thing that whether he knew it or not, that was extremely valuable to me and my members. Right. And next week, in honor of the women's first major championship, and they're going to make a big deal about this in every golf story, that it's the last time they're going to play at Mission Hills for what was the Dinosaur. And my celebrity insider guest is three-time winner of the Chevron championship, Amy Alcott, Hall of Famer. Okay. And she's the one that started the jump into the pond back in 1988 and the second time she won it. Um, so there's this, there was this pond that circles the 18th green. Right. And in 88, she won it. And then she just ran off the green and jumped into the pond. I totally would have done that. I would have done the exact same thing. Awesome, right? <laughs> Why wouldn't so, you? And then she won it a couple years later, 91, and she did it again. And she was still the only one that did it. And then in 94, they started the tradition. And then, you know, it became, you know, so now they're like, I don't know what they're going to do a year from now when they have this event. They're going to bring like an above ground pool with them or, or what <laughs> right. they're going to do. I, I don't know. Maybe you and I we will come up with a list. A hose. And we'll, on the list. we'll send it to Molly at the LPGA. We'll say, well, you know, how about a slip and slide? You know, whatever. I mean, <laughs> Keep it safe. There's, safe there's, the there's a lot of different things we could go. We, we could get into there. But, but my point being is that we're just having a great time with these interviews. And I'm working on something for the masters. Okay. Could be a guy that sings. But it's gonna be a it's gonna be a huge insider. Okay. We're gonna have some fun, and if you don't subscribe and read, then you don't win. And there's many ways to win. I mean, just the entertainment alone, the infotainment that we provide is um, is is truly truly remarkable. And you know, speaking of which, when it comes to entertainment right now in golf, I don't know that there's a better name than Jin Young Ko. All right, if you don't know who this is, everyone, I get it. You know, the LPGA, the start to their their season this year, they play a couple of weeks, then they go to Southeast Asia. It's on at night. So you feel like you haven't seen them in a month because they were in Florida. And then where'd they go? Well, they went to Thailand. They went to Singapore. They were playing at night, but they are back in the United States now. They're out in California. They're out in South, Southern California, Carlsbad. And they're playing in the JTBC Classic presented by Barbasol. I mean, I, honestly, I think that these tours or these companies, these sponsors create these names just to challenge <laughs> all of us that have to say it, whether it's any kind of broadcaster or host or whatever. I mean, come on. JTBC Classic presented by Barbasol. Anyway, Jin Young Ko, first round, um, is doing Jin Young Ko things. Uh, clean card, which means no bogeys. Okay. Uh, seven birdies. Shoot 65. She's the leader. Um, surprise, surprise. And, you know, every week that she plays, I predict that she's going to win. And they say, like, you know, I get these critics all the time, Twitter, whatever, you know, people are like, they're like, well, you know, like, of course she's going to win, but I'm going to pick somebody else. I go, just explain to me what planet you're on that <laughs> make, right? that, that makes sense. <laughs> right. Okay. What level of money on any other player right now? It's, it's like, if we go back to the early two thousands 
and Tiger was in his heyday. Right. Why right? would you bet against the okay? Tiger? And they were like, well, I don't like his odds. Well, those are there for a reason. The 100 to 1 odds that he's going to lose? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Tiger or the field. And people are taking Tiger. You know, 1 versus 140-something. Well, Jin Young Ko's doing the same thing. I mean, think about these stats, Wade, right? She hasn't shot over par since July. Wow. Okay. In her last 31 rounds, she shot in the 60s 30 times. She's having a hell of a run. <laughs> you kidding me? The last time she shot over uh, 69, she shot 70. I think it was 71 at uh, Mountain Ridge back at the uh, Cognizant Founders Cup that we were covering. Right. Um, New Jersey golf course. You know, shout out to Mountain Ridge for making it tough for her. Uh, so in, th- in 31 That's rounds, awesome. she has 30. I mean, Aviara, where they're playing this week, I have played there before. Right. Elevation changes, really, really tight golf course. You can see it in the leaderboard as you go down. Uh, we have we have two weeks ago's winner in Thailand, uh, Nana Kurtz Matson. She played well. She shot 66. But if as you go down, you got like Mo Martin in six. I mean, Lydia Ko, you have really straight hitters, right? And it doesn't really matter when it comes to Jin Young Ko. When I break it down, every single friggin' category, she's unbelievable. She's just like Tiger. Right. Or Annika back in the day. And I just don't understand when people say, like, well, why would you better? I'm like, how do you not? Like, how do you not? Even I mean, just out of principle. Yeah. You I mean, know? I mean, she's she's literally unbelievable. And um the LPGA coverage is after the men's uh WGC match play. So you can watch it at night. So if you are um in a position where you, you know, you don't like the game the way it's going, or the St. Peter's game is over tonight. Then you know what you can do. You can run right into the, you know watch a little LPGA there out on the left coast. Sure. Um, they do a great job with their coverage, and you can watch that. Now, speaking of coverage, you have it since Wednesday for the WGC match play, and I'll tell you what I love this event, and one of the reasons why not because it starts on a Wednesday is that because on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday they have they got to get these thirty two matches in. There is just golf all day long, so it doesn't right. matter. I mean, I'm not saying anybody needs to watch it at a certain time. But you have these, you know, highs and lulls in your in your day, right? Where you're really busy and you're not, and you maybe put it on in the background in the office, or you can. I mean, there's so many things you can stream nowadays, sure. and it's it's just great. But they have these 64 best players in the world. I think with withdrawals and stuff like that, they got up to like 74 in the world. But I mean, that's what I'm always complaining about when it comes to like, you know, um, different tours and stuff like that. I want everybody wants the best players together all the time. Yeah. Right. There's no doubt it's the about most competitive that. match. Period. Yeah. So we have in the you know, we have the top 74 guys, you know, with the withdrawals and everything to make 64 for this bracket. And they break them up into 16 groups of those 16 groups. None of them are decided after two rounds. Right. Right. And not only that, but more than half of them, three guys of the four in those groups. So they break them up into 16 groups of four. You win your group. And you go into the bracket starting on Saturday morning at the top 16, the sweet 16, which, you know, I don't know where they got that phrase from. But um, the point being is that of these groups, they're so competitive that more than half the groups have three guys on the last day that could technically get in. Because if they tie, they don't do like a scorecard playoff or anything. They say, you know, Wade, Keith, you guys are in group seven. Uh, You've tied. Uh, Go back to the first hole and figure it out. Sudden death. Oh, wow. Okay. So this afternoon... Leading into the LPGA coverage is just going to be a potpourri of great shots, yeah, mishaps, 
pressure-packed moments, the whole thing. I mean, you've got guys like John Rahm that are 2-0, and and, and you know, then you've got guys like in Group 2 with Morikawa. He's competing with Jason Kokrak and, and Sergio Garcia. And we don't know of those three. I mean, it could work out where there, there could be a three-way playoff. Yeah. Not like three of the four guys. I Who mean, doesn't I, love that? We won't mention the fourth guy because <laughs> it didn't work out. But it's just crazy. And, you know, I, I can't see how I understand why we don't do this a lot. And the only other way I would do this is maybe I'd do it in the fall where I would include ladies too. Okay. Yeah. Right. Sure. Like make it a mixed event or a mixed team event, which would be really cool. Um, Cause maybe we don't live in a world where people could handle like men beating women and women beating men. <laughs> I don't know. That seems pretty, maybe that might be deep for us for a Friday. But my, my point being is that like once or twice a year, you, you got to get all geeked up for this thing because it's just going on all day today, you know, and I wish I could give you a round two, like update. But like I said, there's like 12 groups of the 16 that have three guys that are involved that could, there's going to be all sorts of playoffs today. I mean, tune in for the fun or, or get, you know, refresh the app on your phone. Um, you know, I just, I just love, I just love the match play aspect of it. I think it's really cool. And one of the other things is that tonight we have a cool story here in New Jersey, right? St. Mm-hmm. Peter's, the Peacocks. Oh, yeah, sure. Right. And they are playing in the Sweet 16, a 15 seed. You know, they beat Kentucky. And then they're going into the game against Murray State, and their coach—I love this guy. Don't, don't don't know him at all, but no, he, he yeah, was at a sure, press conference. Course, have yeah. you heard? Have you heard yeah. some of his sound bites? Right. So they, his name is Shaheen Holloway, former NBA player. Right. They're saying he won't be there next year. <laughs> um, probably not. But uh, they ask him. They say, you know, are your kids, you know, f- afraid to play? You know, Murray State next. This is a big team. Or were they afraid to play Kentucky? And he's like afraid he's like my kids are he's like my kids are from new york and new jersey he goes what what are they afraid of he goes the basketball court is like their refuge yeah that's he's like escape. exactly that's their place he's like that's where they feel like they're, not they're the man yeah they're exactly. not afraid of anything right so i i just thought that that perspective was really really refreshing and it was a lot of fun you know and uh i i hope i wish them the best nothing would make me happier in that thing oh, that please. we get to the point where there's so much parity in the ncaa tournament where a 15 seed gets to go to the final four yeah absolutely. you know and then god knows what would happen it's from been there. a week right there's st- i mean it's been a week they're still playing oh yeah i mean tonight it, it is tonight i think uh they have purdue right which yep. is the three which is a three seed but guess what the Big Ten always lets you down in the tournament, and they've already beaten a two seed, Kentucky. So right. let's do it. Uh, tip off is at seven oh nine. So get on that and uh, have some fun with it. And you know what else you could have some fun with? That's the New Jersey Golf Foundation. The charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. Led by PGA professionals, programming for youth, military veterans, and individuals with special needs provides the opportunity to experience the game in a welcoming environment. To support the New Jersey Golf Foundation or learn more about programs and special events, visit njgolffoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. Real quick on them, they are the Inspiration Driving Range that they purchased and renovated last year. Yes, yes. Big grand opening next Friday, right? You're going to see it all over the interwebs or whatever. So go check them out, folks. What they do for military veterans up there at Inspiration Driving Range is just unbelievable. Chris Hunt, love him. Such a tremendous programmer, their executive director. I can't say enough great things about the New Jersey Golf Foundation. 315 here in New York. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. We'll be back in a moment with PGA Tour caddy, John Rathouse. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Chop, chop. Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Zubin Mahente. 
all NFL players get paid a lot. You're not going to get paid more than me, though, because I'm the guy when it comes to clearing it out. Y'all take care of me. Spoken like a true wide receiver. Way to go, Roscoe (laughs) Jenkins, team of me. Bar, his name is first on the show, so we get it. You know, we get it. Me, Sean, as they like to call me, for those that don't know me. But anyway. Sean, J. Will, and Zubin. Weekday mornings at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio or streaming live on the ESPN app. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. With a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs, the NJGF delivers dynamic programming led by PGA professionals. So individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. An exciting new development is coming soon as the Inspiration Golf Range on the campus of the Lions VA Medical Center in Somerset County will serve as a new golf training facility for Special Olympics New Jersey, as well as the new home site for the PGA Hope, a rehabilitative golf program for veterans. To support the New Jersey Golf Foundation or learn more about programs and special events, please visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. That's NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or 732-465-1212. Time to get back on course as the pro show continues. Great show and great question. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and you're listening to ESPN. 920. You know, golf has thousands of personalities, but few stand out like today's guest. He's walked the courses of the PGA Tour, looped the Olympics, and now is helping build a media brand. John Rathaus, or better known as House, is here today to share his story with us. I always say the best part of golf is the people involved, and John's a testament to that. I can't wait to chat with him. What a vibe you're creating here on a Friday afternoon there, Mr. Wade Weezer. We do have House with us. There's no doubt about that. John Rathaus, welcome to the Pro Show. How are you this afternoon? I'm great, Keith. It's good to hear from you. I love the music. I know you're a big music guy. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, you know what? It, it's one of those things. It's Friday afternoon, man. I mean, people are listening to this. They're driving away from New York City or through northern New Jersey. There's traffic. There's whatever. So we got to provide for them. I mean, it's AM radio. We got to throw a little music in there and have some fun. And I know it always kind of uh, makes my guests perk up a little bit. You know, it catches their attention. Absolutely. That's a great one there. And, you know, I mean, you were you were doing your uh, read the lines there a couple of weeks ago and you dropped a sweet rap. And that kind of got me inspired a little bit. I mean, we don't need to break out in any freestyles right now, but I, I really have that on my mind these days, too. Well, when you were hitting me up on social media for that, we will definitely do a collab. I mean, I'm thinking like to the extent of like a Jay-Z Kanye type of something that we could put together or we could go old school like beasties or whatever. I mean, with the, the options are endless between you and I, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you just kind of percolate and think on that one just a little bit more. I, I will. I've got some ideas. Oh, ooh! all right. Well, a um, little foreshadowing then there for the audience. But uh, big week this week, the PGA Tour. And you spent years out there. 
but I want to get your gut reaction to this real quick. I love to jump right into an interview. It's a different week out there than normal. I mean, we're playing match play, not stroke play, right? This event for you, the WGC match play, do you like it? Do you love it? Tell me. I'll tell you what, I love it. I love it, and I love the format that it's in right now. I know there's a lot of chatter out there right now. Oh, we should go back to the single elimination. I think it's fascinating. Um, I think match play is so cool. Uh, there's so much action out there right now. There's all these matches going on. There's all these intriguing matchups. You see different guys playing well that you know have maybe been struggling in stroke play, but then they get into match play, and they're all of a sudden rocket ships. So I think it's really cool. I think it's a great change of pace. I have to agree with you. I mean, the 32 matches for these first three days and all the different things that were going on, like Jordan yesterday, he hit it on like one tee box and then he chipped it down through the trees and then he made a par and like you're playing that guy and you're going to lose your mind, right? Let alone if you're working for the guy who's playing him and you're trying your hardest, right? Which gets me to the point or one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you today is that because... You know, we're, in the, we're getting into the heart of the PGA Tour season here, and I love bringing on an insider to kind of like, you know, pull back some of the layers to the onion. So, you know, so we're going to get to your kind of caddying in a second here, but you come out of Marquette, right? You love golf, right? How, do, how does this all, how does this, you know, transition in life kind of take place and how do you end up out on tour? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I was always a baseball guy growing up and, uh, you know, it's, it's high school golf season's just starting here in Nebraska. And I, one year I got cut from baseball, got cut from golf, and I got into golf a lot more. And this is right around Tiger winning the Masters. And so, you know, that, that was a big influence on a lot of people. But, uh, you know, I tried to take it into college golf. wasn't quite good enough. And I interned at the uh, local Corn Ferry Tour tournament here in Omaha one summer in the media room. And, you know, part of my job was to be out on the range that week. And I got to meeting some of the caddies. Uh, in fact, one of the first caddies I ever met was Michael Collins, who's now doing a fantastic job uh, with ESPN. And he gave me his phone number. And I went back to my senior year of college at Marquette. And I started caddying at some of the clubs. And I would be like a Saturday morning, like hung over with a bunch of like seventh and eighth graders. And I was just trying to get a loop like them because I wanted to learn how to do the job. And, and then my, I graduated and that summer I went out on the corn Ferry tour, kind of chasing it. And after a summer of doing it, I was like, you know, I'm going to go do this. And so packed up the car and drove out West and uh, pretty quickly ran into John Merrick. And, you know, a couple of years later was out on the tour. So that's kind of my, my short story on how I got into caddying. So, you know what? There's a number of people listening to the show and they're all into golf. There's no doubt about that. But maybe they do have a question about how, you know, you kind of connected the dots there and you brought it up. So I'm just curious. I'm actually curious myself, like how somebody that has a love for golf and maybe they have a love for being a little bit of a traveler, right? Because you're going to follow the tour everywhere you go. You're going to do a lot of traveling. If you have those two kind of interests in life, being a tour caddy or a corn Ferry tour caddy or an LPGA tour caddy might be a good calling um, to satiate all of that golf need that you have. When you get to the sites and you first started out, how did you start to meet people? How did, how did that process? I'm just curious. How did that process take place? Yeah, you know, so you're right about the travel. I mean, that was one of the things as as a you know, 22 year old kid, you know, see this ability to travel the country, the world, and, and be like, and get paid to do it. I mean, you know, oftentimes not well, but uh, it was such a you know a pull for me. But you know, when you, when you get out there, you know, you get kind of thrown into the fire, and 
you know, everybody's own personality kind of bubbles up. And so, you know, I, I'm a guy that likes to meet people. And so I just, you know, you get out in practice rounds with guys or you're standing around the parking lot trying to find a bag and it's just networking like anything else. And so, you know, that that's how it started for me. And, and you know, if you're lucky enough to get on a bag with a, a player, then all of a sudden, you know, it takes off. Hmm. So you don't have to, like, grease the caddy master or anything like that at the local course that's hosting the Corn Ferry Tour event or anything like that? Well, you know, I have people reach out to me all the time, and and I tell them that. I said, you know, hey, you want to just work this week in your local club? Like, reach out to the to whoever's running the event that week and tell them who you are and, and show up. I mean, you, you know, obviously – uh, one of the things that, you know, on tour, sometimes you lose a job and, uh, I, you know, a good friend of mine, Pepsi, Steve, who's been a, a successful caddy out there for a number of years. And, and he's got a phrase that he always goes to, which is like out of sight, out of mind. So, you know, if you're not out there, uh, it's going to be hard to find a job unless you're a Ted Scott or somebody where, you know, your phone's ringing off the hook, but, uh, yeah, you got to be out there and, and put yourself out there. And that's when things start to happen. Well, you know what? There's a lesson right there. And folks, if you're wondering what that voice is this afternoon, that's John Rathhouse, a former PGA Tour caddy, and now he's working for a brand that's building called the Caddy Network. But he just gave you some great advice there that if you want to get involved in any sort of business, but if you, if caddying is your thing or you want to work at a golf club or something like that, then you got to be seen in order to be heard. There's no doubt about that. You know, what, what do they say? The closed mouth always goes hungry. You know, <laughs> makes sense. something like that. So, um, so you have this love and passion for golf and I know that you started out saying, you know, you were a baseball player and then you tried golf and everything, but people don't just like start in golf that are our age, you and I, right. You know, like there has to be a little bit of a love for it back in the day. So who got you started in golf? Well, my mom actually was a, a league golfer, you know, when I was a kid. And uh, so I remember her going like once a week during the golf season to play league with some of her friends. And, uh, you know, I think that she's probably the one that got me my first set of clubs and I would go play, you know, summer league with friends and stuff in between baseball games and stuff. So that's really how it started for me. There's, and there's nobody else in my family that plays like my mom doesn't play anymore. My dad doesn't play my brother. Uh, I tried to get into the game. And I, I remember taking him out one year and we played two holes and he dumped out his entire bag and sat next to a tree, you know, <laughs> he didn't quite have the mentality for it. But in my family, I'm really the only one, but my mom is the one who got me going. All right. So you play with a lot of different people then since your family is um, retired or um, uh, avoiding the game to at this point in, in, in your career. Right. Um, so tell me, though, I, I love talking to golfers in this day and age that kind of grew up like you and I did where the game has evolved so much in the way that is it enjoyed. And I, you know, I just question always pops into my head when somebody starts talking about their, their background in golf and that if you and I, and we grab two more people, say producer Wade here and, and somebody else, um, I don't know, um, Tiger Woods, right. And we go out and play. What's it like to play with John Rathhouse? Well, you know, uh, I, I like to have fun out there. I, 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 you know, I wouldn't, I'll play for a few bucks. Um, you know, I'll have a couple of drinks. I don't mind if we put some music on. Um, I definitely, uh, you know, love the camaraderie and, uh, you know, for me, uh, I'm usually a pretty good driver of the golf ball and I'm a good putter and it kind of, whatever happens in between, <laughs> who knows? And I'm always striving to become a better ball striker. Like that's my, my goal in my golf golfing career as I continue to go, maybe I need to get a few lessons from you, Keith, but 
you know, I, I like to think that I, you know, I like to have a pretty good time when I'm out there and get the opportunity to play. What do you like out there? Well, you know what? I, I have it. I have it really evolved over the years, right? I, I officially about four or five years ago, I burned all my sweater vests and I just broke away. <laughs> I broke away from the Navy blue blazer and jacket crests and everything else. And I am, I'm, I'm literally, uh, pardon the pun after the music, but I'm like an animal out there. I mean, I just want to have so much fun. Uh, I love to play different types of games like Wolf or, you know, um, there's all sorts of fun mulligan games you can play and stuff. And it's not so much score yeah. as it is the match play aspect of it and the people you're with and the stories that you create. Because, I mean, there's always one crazy shot. There's always some story that comes out of, you know, I think that's why people maybe fish, you know, like it's in hopes of there's there's going to be this great crazy thing that happens out there in the midst of just kind of walking around or doing something for four or five hours. So playing with me is definitely music, um, definitely some so, form of uh i would say modified competition you know i like to do that and um i you know i do like to play more in the afternoon where we can have a drink or two and really enjoy ourselves and kind of roll into the evening and maybe a nice dinner or something like that or a fire pit or something i mean that to me sunset that's if i if i have my my choice you know that's that's the way i want to play golf and you know what i in listening to this, though, you talk about lessons and, and the aspects of your game. You and I would make a scary scramble partnership because I'm a good iron player, right? I'm a decent putter, but I'm a, I'm a good iron player. So if you're a good driver and putter, right, between the two of us, we, w- we could be half a decent golfer, you know? Yes. Let's sign up for that. And, and that sounds like a lot. Of, I, like, I like your style, Keith. I, I think uh, another one that I really have gotten into a lot more now that I'm not caddying as much uh, and I don't know where you fall on this, is is walking. I, I really enjoy walking. Uh, I know it's not as easy for everyone, but but I, I try to walk if I can. Uh, I always walk, um, always carry my bag. I'm not part of the uh, push cart mafia or anything like that, right? And, I'm in the uh, same boat, man. Probably the best, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> by trade, you carried the bag. I can't see you pushing a cart. I mean, I would feel like if Pepsi or somebody caught you, Ted Scott, they would be like, what are you doing, <laughs> right? You're going to... Yeah. So I, uh, uh, you know, I think one of the greatest inventions these days are these really light Bluetooth speakers that you can hook right on. They come with hooks. You can hook them right on the golf bag, you know, and you can have a little tune going as you're walking. And um, they're not that loud. So you can almost play whatever you want, you know. So, I mean, a lot of times I'll put on like a dead show from 71 and that'll last me like 18 holes. You know, I just, I just, oh, man. I just love it. You could probably do, do one song for 18 holes. <laughs> You know, people people say that all the time. And uh, well, because it's true. Now, we were talking about partnerships there. And one of the things that I caught as I was doing research for today's interview that you said is that you think being a tour caddy is one of the most unique jobs in professional sports. Right. And there, and I want to know why. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, and obviously I'm a little bit biased, but I think uh, the combination of being inside the ropes you know, close to the action, a part of the action, you know, doing everything but hitting the shots, which is important to note because, you know, the players deserve all the credit. But, you know, when you caddy for a guy and he plays well, or when you caddy for a guy and maybe he doesn't have his best stuff but figures out a way to make a score, you know that, you know, you had an impact on that. So I think that's really unique, this kind of, you're not a coach, you're not a psychologist, but you are, I mean, you're all of the above, and you're kind of the only guy out there 
with your player, um, you know, helping him get the ball in the hole. So I, I just think, you know, and, and there's not many people that do it. You know, I mean, there's at a professional level, you know, it's, it's you know, if you look at the pool of caddies that do this uh, for a living, you know, on tour, it's less than a thousand, you know. Um, and then you've got the guys at caddy at clubs, which is to- a, a ton of respect for that as well. And, and, and those are real true caddies, to be quite honest. And so I, I just think it's a really cool Really cool, unique job. Well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was down at the Players. So I was down at Ponte Vedra Beach at TPC Sawgrass. And for my own read the line purposes, I was out walking around in the evening, just looking at the golf course. And from my approach, I wanted to see my perspective, how it would play, how it was set up. And I really just wanted to get to know the golf course since I was on the property. And of course, who are the only people that are out there? There's these random nomads walking in the ropes, you know, with their notebooks. And, you know, they look like the notebooks that you see when you're watching TV coverage and it's all the caddies or whatever. So it was it's it's interesting how, you know, the purpose I was out there for and then the purpose they were out there for. We were all out there. It was all business. And you could tell that the people that treat it like that are the ones that are the most successful, which I think is kind of cool, you know, and, um, you know, you guys must when. When you bump into each other at night out there, you know what I mean? Are you guys, is there camaraderie in that? Or is it kind of like you're looking for things that other people aren't? You know, some of the best times is that late walk in nine, walk in 18, doing your work. Um, And you're right. You do see a lot of guys out there. You see a lot of the same guys too. And, and I, you know, there's certain guys that don't walk courses that are very good caddies. So it's kind of whatever you need to do to feel like you're prepared. Um, But generally when you run into people out there, you know, everybody's willing to be helpful. Um, Michael Greller is one of the great guys you run into out there and he'll be like, Hey man, did you get that number over there? Can you go run up there and I'm going to laser you and then you'll share information. And you know, he caddies for one of the best players in the world. So it's a great time to, to BS with guys in between walking to learn things. I mean, I remember walking a golf course on the corn Ferry tour. I learned from this you know old school caddy Dow, I'll never forget his name. And he, he uh, was mentored by Andy Martinez, you know, one of the great caddies. And he's telling me about walking the four corners and how, why you need to know what the cover is over that bunker and the through number in the back left corner. And, and you're always learning things out there. And it, it gives you a great feel for the week ahead. Well, you know what? I'd like to learn a few more things from you, but the sponsors need their time. So could you hold tight for just a second? You got it. All right, folks, up next more with the Caddy Network's resident content creator, John Rathaus. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Mike Greenberg is Greeny. Chris Paul is one of those guys whose numbers, if you look at them, are so good that they almost seem made up. But, you know, he was never on the best team all those years in New Orleans, wasn't able to go to the Lakers, winds up on the Clippers, then they fell short. But now here he is, the veteran presence on this otherwise very young Phoenix team. It would mean everything to his legacy. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And watch exclusively on ESPN+. Is there a better feeling than winning a bet? Take it from a professional, a PGA professional like Keith Stewart. When it comes to wagering on golf, you need to know more than analytics. Stats are just a description of a player's habits. But what causes those habits to repeat? 
There are other elements you need to consider to raise your betting acumen. If you're the type of person who loves to learn and earn by wagering, then you must read the line. With an easy-to-understand newsletter format, in five minutes a week, you can bet with confidence, knowing the picks are made by a golf professional. Golf betting lacks an expert voice. Read the Line brings over 25 years of experience in the golf industry to every prediction. Players are not an exact science, and neither is betting. But when you consider the human element of the game alongside facts and figures, you'll be able to elevate your winning reputation. Go to ReadTheLine.com to subscribe, read, and win. That's ReadTheLine.com. you got a great voice for radio. Time to get back on course. Face for radio. I, I, I get a lot of that, too. As the pro show continues, once again, Keith Stewart. It's the Pro Show, and I'm Keith Stewart. Welcome back to our conversation with John Rathaus. You're listening to e- New Jersey's ESPN. Whoa, boy. 920. Start tearing the old man down. Run past the heather and down to the old road. Start you know, there's a little tourney in Augusta, Georgia coming our way in a week or so. Let's start the back nine of our conversation there with House. But first, a little tune for our Midwest guest. Wade, weekend's here. Light it up. You're gonna walk on water. Oh, to drop a line my way. Oh, somewhere in middle America. You know, you're always so creative with the music. You threw me off there with the song. I can't believe you you actually listen to these interviews. <laughs> yes, believe it or not. Despite you know. I know my place though. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Now speaking of places, we're about to go down to a place called Augusta, Georgia. And a little tournament called the Masters, and I know our guest today, House, has been there um, maybe more than once. I don't know, but he's got to have a story or two. House, welcome back to the show. A little, uh, a little counting crows for you there. Omaha, I love it, dude. That was so cool. Uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for good to be back. Let's talk Augusta. All right, man. So tell me, you you have caddied at the Masters at least once. I know, um, maybe more. I don't know, but what's it like? You know, whether if you're a player or a caddy, I mean, that is like the mecca of golf, right? That's the place you have to get to, to, to do it at least once. What was your first impression when you went to work there? It's uh, the greatest sporting event in the world. And uh, it's well run, so well run, but it is such a cool place because, you know, you grow up watching it on TV. So we all know it, right? Yep. And then you get there and it exceeds your expectations. Um, you know, I had a chance to caddy in at one time in 2009 for John Merrick and you had a really nice week too. Uh, I've been there a couple of times as a patron, um, you know, and people always talk about, you know, the property is very much more dramatic than it is on TV. And that's very true. Um, it, it is such a cool place uh, that's kind of nestled, you know, in the middle of Augusta and, and, and sits on this, awesome piece of property and big trees and uh, it, it the, the greens are unbelievable it, it's just such a cool cool spot now correct me if i'm wrong but i think merrick finished sixth that year so he top 10 yeah he did he he was he you know we had a poor saturday but on sunday we played with jeff ogilvy and those two both birdied 13 14 15 16 and I think if we would have gotten one more, we could have applied a little bit more pressure. But, I mean, it was kind of a backdoor top ten. I mean, you know, he, he played awesome all week, putted really well. So four birdies in a row on the back nine on Sunday. I mean, mm-hmm. w- what what is that moment like? Come on, you got to share share that with my listeners. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, the, the roars out there are so good, you know, and you're so focused on, on helping your guy out and, and you're happy that he's, uh, you know, in the moment, able to kind of handle, you know, the pressures and whatnot. And they continue to go in, the shots continue to be good, and, and the crowd, you know, roars. I, I remember that round two early on. Um, we were on the seventh green and he had a good round going and looked over to the right there and, and you can see 3T. And Mickelson was playing later in the day and Bones, who I knew a little bit, looked over at me on the seventh green and he saw our score and he gave me a little nod. And I'll never forget that. Uh, you know, what a cool gesture and, you know, from, from a legendary caddy. And, and so I, there's so many cool things from that week that I'll never forget. My dad was there that week, not a golf guy at all. He ended up uh, staying the entire week and, and we just had a, had a great time. How cool is that? Now, you know, you mentioned the walk there, you know, and if people haven't been there, TV just can't do it justice. I mean, it is extreme. It's built on the side of a hill, right? Did you do any kind of extra conditioning or any kind of preparation physically to get ready for that? Because that's got to be a hard week. Yeah, no, I didn't. I don't think I did anything extra. We did get a chance to play it one time ahead of time. So I, I had a chance to walk it, which I thought was super helpful. I didn't play it. He, John played with his dad. They had caddies and I walked along with them. And so I kind of had a little bit of that, um, you know, that initial impression, which was great, but without the crowd there in the week there. So that really benefited me uh, in thinking about the golf course leading up. I was exchanging some message with people on Twitter yesterday. Bryson DeChambeau's caddy is wearing these compression socks right now that he swears by. And so we were kind of laughing at that yesterday, but you know, that's going to give them an advantage out there when he's walking those Hills. Uh, you know, it, it is a, it is a really tough walk. Uh, but you know, in the same regard, it's just another week out on tour too. You got to think of it that way. So you don't, you know, play it up too much. You know what, folks, you can't play this back enough because we have a great guest this afternoon, John Rathaus, and he is giving us insights on caddy socks, which is, you know, why, <laughs> which is why I want to talk about this thing next. The brand that you're working for, the caddy network, right? What's going on with this? Because there's a lot of media platforms out there. What what makes the caddy network? What differentiates you guys? What's going on cool there? Because I've come across this thing. It's been around for a little while and you and I have become friends and, um, you know, I'm interested in the story. So how did it start? Yeah, I mean, we've got a couple of great founders, uh, you know, East Coast guys. And, and you know, th their whole idea was, hey, you know, the, these caddies have awesome stories to tell. You know, let's build a brand that allows them to tell those stories. And so, you know, uh, you're three years after they started it, you know, I kind of was at a point in my career where, you know, doing something like this made a little bit more sense. And so, uh, you know, I got a little bit of a media background and interest in it. And so uh, they brought me on board and, and I've really been able to, you know, help tell caddy stories. And that's really our primary focus is, you know, and caddies on tour, but also caddies everywhere. Um, so it's been really fun uh, doing a podcast, doing, uh, you know, some gambling picks, golf, getting the gambling. Obviously, you know that as well. And that's one of the ways that we first interacted. But, you know, I think people really love hearing stories from caddies. And so, you know, we're trying to tell as many of those as we can. Now, you've been out there on tour. So you've seen a bunch, but you're probably, since you've been out on tour, you know that you haven't seen it all in your podcast or in any of the things that you've created, has something surprised you like a story that you could share? That's, that's pretty funny or cool, or just kind of even blew your mind. Um, that's an interesting question. I'm, I, I wish I was better at this. Uh, I, you know, I had Dwayne Bach on 
Kevin Kisner's caddy, uh, and we actually released that this week, and he was so cool to catch up with. And, and I just, hearing, as you mentioned earlier, everybody's background is different. And, and sometimes you see these guys on tour, and you've never met them before, and you're like, I wonder what, you know, how he got into caddying. And then you, and you learn the stories of these guys, and he was a fascinating one, and, and how he got onto Kisner's bag. And, you know, I just – that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about this and interviewing these guys is, uh, you know, learning their unique stories and their approaches to caddying because because everybody does the job differently, too. Well, you have a unique story, too. And something tells me that with this platform, your your next chapter is just getting started. Right. So it begs the question. I love to ask like leadership type questions or insightful things about what people are thinking. So what, like, what's a goal that you have for 2022 as you kind of reach into this, you know, this new medium? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, I mean, I definitely want to continue to, you know, polish my craft and, and, and get, you know, uh, some of these, you know, big, bigger caddies to come on the podcast and, and, and do some interesting interviews. Also talk to people, you know, that are kind of on the fringes of caddying and, and bring them to light. So that, that's certainly a goal. You know, another one is honestly to to slide in there and uh, call on PGA Tour Live a golf tournament. Uh, you know, that's always been a goal of mine, and and I think there might be some opportunities as the summer goes on to slide in there for a week and and try my hand at some commentary. Um, you know, John Wood does a fantastic job. Bones uh, does a fantastic job. There's a few other guys, and so that that would interest me to to try a week for sure too. Well, I tell you what. You know, one of the big things about commentating that drives me nuts is when people state the obvious, right? I mean, it's like the thing that they just shouldn't do, you know, like the grass is green type of thing or, oh, he hit a shot. Well, of course he did. I just saw that. Right. I I love when wood or bones are out there and they, they really kind of approach it from the way that they used to do their craft and you would do it. I'm sure would do it the same way. And I think that that to me is even more insightful than when a player starts to talk because you all kind of see the big picture. The player is a little bit more narrow minded. So uh, I hope that that dream works out like your master's dream worked out back in 2009 when you got to work there. So I, you, mm-hmm. the pro show here, we're definitely behind you. And uh, if you get on PGA tour live, let us know because we'll bring you back and we'll talk to you some more about that experience as well. Now, before you go, there's a little tradition here that we love to do for our listeners. They like to get to know my guests on a little bit more of an intimate level which means there's a, there's a little rapid-fire Q&A. Now, I know a lot of people like to do this, but we like to think that ours is just a little bit more thoughtful than those that are out there that are copying the pro show. So, you up for this? I'm up for it. You know, it makes me think about when I go out to restaurants and order food, and my wife will tell you, like, I am, I am just so indecisive. So, I'm, I'm hoping that I can give you some good rapid answers here, Keith. Um, well, good luck. Here we go. Who will win the NCAA tourney? Um, Houston. When you were a kid, was your room neat or messy? Messy. Biggest pet peeve on the golf course? Um, having to tuck your shirt in. If you could go back in time, where and when would you go visit? Uh, I would go to 1960s New York City. Ooh. All right. I like that. Name one trait that best defines you. 
Um, empathy. On a scale of one to ten, rate your tech savvy. My tech savvy? Yeah, your tech savvy. Five. Would you rather win an Oscar or a Grammy? An Oscar. All right, well, that begs the question then. What movie would you love to be a character in? Like, what, what character would you want to play? Um, all-time movie. It would be, yeah, okay. I'll give you my all-time movie. It's an obscure one that I would love to have been a character in. Sneakers. All right, one more then. Describe your life so far in one word. Fortunate. Well, you know what? We've been very fortunate to talk to you this afternoon here on the Pro Show, John Rathhouse. And I'll go back a couple questions. I love your answer to that trait question, empathy. That's why you're such a great friend. I can't thank you enough for coming on the Pro Show this afternoon. Thanks, Keith. We're rolling fast into 4 p.m. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Come back to wrap up today's show with the weekly update. The Max Kellerman Show. Show. You know, there was no one there like, hey, where's that guy we just hired? He just stopped showing up suddenly 15 years ago. So he got away with it, 650 Gs. And now he's being sued. I don't know. You can't just not show up for work. but, But if he's not, like, doing anything fraudulent and they're just sending him the checks, I mean, why wouldn't he just deposit it in his account? The Max Kellerman Show, weekdays at 2 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Watch exclusively on ESPN+. Join the thousands of golfers who already call Stick and Hack their home for the best golf stories, original podcasts, special events, member perks, and an active community of golfers across North America. Up until now, the golf media landscape lived somewhere between straight PGA coverage or idiots wrecking golf carts. We take a different approach by celebrating all sides of golf, life, and all the ways this amazing game connects Sticks and Hacks every day. Your free membership entitles you to discounts from major brands all over the country while connecting you with like-minded golfers for discussion, tips, or even a round of golf. So head to stickandhack.com and enjoy the world's greatest golf club without the course. Get ready for the back nine. As the pro show continues, once again, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Ooh, welcome back to the pro show on ESPN 920. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. John Popper there on the harmonica. I love it. Princeton's finest. Yeah, I like this. Let's go. I lied and told her I loved her. She didn't care, but anyway. I told her we'd still be friends and she didn't care, but anyway. You know I'm going to post that podcast up on the multiple platforms tonight. There's no doubt about that. Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, etc. And if you know you want to catch the show, maybe you're down in Austin at the match play. 920ESPNNewJersey.com. Speaking of .coms, get to readtheline.com. Subscribe, read, and win. And of course, check us out on Twitter. At KJ Stewart PGA. Read the line. There's another one there. We're having so much fun on social media. You got to see the videos on TikTok, man. Just killing it. Kind of like the, uh, I don't know, Blues Traveler? Hit it. I don't think about TV. We're joking when it taught me this part anyway. Well, I'll tell you, I am, uh, what am I, about 10 minutes from freedom here? 
about for 10 a week. minutes. Yes, yes, All right. yes. All right. So at 29, exactly. Oh, here we go. Then let's talk about TaylorMade. Over the past 40 years, golfers have inspired TaylorMade to make a lot of great drivers. But as we all know, they eventually reached their limit. TaylorMade has been hard at work making the next generation of drivers because where titanium ends, carbon begins. And I'll tell you where carbon begins for me. I, my, my sales rep, uh, he hooked me up with my new carbon wood driver in three wood. Yes. You know, the only thing hotter is the temperature in Florida next week when I'm there, but I can't wait to crank these things out. And if you are as excited about carbon wood as I am, then get yourself to tailormadegolf.com. The big boy is back. That's right. Bryson DeChambeau is back. The world number 12, who hasn't played since the Farmers Insurance Open back in January. What's up, big boy? Is playing in the WGC match play. That's right. Yep. The 28-year-old initially planned to return during the API, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, in his title defense, but he couldn't do it, withdrew, because he's got problems with his hamate bone and his hip and a couple other things that begin with H. So he wasn't 100% ready. <laughs> so he's back now. And we, we all know with Bryson, everything is big, right? Sure. So upon his return Wednesday, his first tee shot ended up in a hospitality tent. How about that? First one back. And he said, he goes, well, I only started hitting drivers like a couple days ago. I'm like, well, buddy, what are you like? I guess Please. Augusta's coming, right? Well, yeah. well, appropriately so. Welcome back, big boy. We missed What's up, big boy? <laughs> we missed your adventures. <laughs> I have a sinking feeling. You know, I do sometimes mm-hmm. uh, there, sure. Mr. Wade Weezer. Sure. All signs are pointing to a new Masters Week concert series being called off after construction problems were reported at Lake Olmstead Stadium. Oh, my. The XPR Augusta website said Thursday all ticket sales were suspended and that existing ticket holders would be notified of any event changes. The series produced by Las Vegas event producer C4 Live was to feature Blake Shelton and Nelly, Tim McGraw and Pitbull and Jimmy Buffett. How about that all-star cast? Man. Honestly, I'm so afraid. that's like the lineup at like the Star Wars Cantina right there. <laughs> I mean, all right. And they had going to have three concerts on the 6th, 7th and 8th which included luxury VIP, blah, 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 blah. But two weeks ago, C4 Live said construction of temporary stage and VIP area had been halted due to sto- to soil instability. What the heck? Spokespeople for the company have not returned requests for comments since then. All right, so here's the interesting part of the story, Wade. It isn't the first time the soil stability has been in question. During the 2019 Papa Joe's Banjo Barbecue Festival, a truck was observed sinking into the dirt according to one city official. Crazy. Yeah. Is that quicksand? I do have a sinking feeling. All right. Oh, Phil's not coming to dinner, Uh-oh. amongst other things. Phil Mickelson <laughs> is no longer on the list of players scheduled to compete in next month's Masters. Remember, I warned you. Yeah, he's been warned several times. Remember, right. I warned you. He's been moved to the section of the tournament website that lists past champions who are not competing. Oof. And as of this past Sunday, uh, he's definitely not a participant. You he did in more ways than one. There's no doubt about that. Um, the Masters only removes players from that section upon website uh, from the website upon request. Huh. And Augusta National confirmed that the request was made pre-tournament that Phil would not be playing. Now, Mickelson, 51, who won the Masters in 04, 06, and 2010, has been embroiled in controversy, which we know all about. Yep. But here's the controversy. It doesn't seem as if Phil called them to say that he wasn't going to play. It seems as if the Masters called him and said, 
no soup for you, my friend. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of an interesting story. At first, it was just like, oh, he's he's been moved on the website, right. and as the um, as the as the onion gets unpeeled, right? Oh boy! All so right, many well, layers, so many delicious layers. You know, how about this though? One person who has not asked to stay away or been asked to stay away rather is five-time champion tiger woods never heard of him who has yes until next friday to cancel his trip to play the masters this year and he is listed as active oh perfect well could be worse phil the 2009 winner won't be there that's angel cabrera he'll be four thousand miles away in a prison cell just south of cordova in argentina's second biggest city Last June, the 52-year-old, what's with these fifty year, young 50-year-old guys, right? <laughs> One of South America's most successful golfers, two-time major winner, he was sentenced to two years in jail after being convicted of assaulting his ex-partner, Achieve. Cecilia Torres Mania, right? Two-time major champ. He's been he's denied the allegations on several occasions, but he's been incarcerated at the notorious Carcel de Bauer, a prison located just the south of Cordoba, right? right? Okay. Now, the translation... El Pinal de Inferno. People are gonna have some sure, fun with perfect. People are gonna have some fun with that. The translation on Google is prison of hell. Alright, well, there you have it, Wade. Maybe Phil should be grateful for his situation. That's right. Who knows? What if the what if the Saudis come after him? Right? Imagine the jail will end up in then. Oh boy. Alright, another major champion sits. Nelly Corda. This is oh, this this one bummed me out, right? She will not be able to compete in next year's or in next week's first major, right? The field for the Chevron Championship closed on Tuesday at 5 p.m., and a tournament official confirmed that the number two ranked player in the world is not coming. And oh, I'm, uh, I'm looking at this now. Jeez, Louise. A, a week ago, um, she announced on social media, the 23-year-old Corda, number two player in the world, that she had a blood clot in her arm. Oof. And uh, things were a little scary there for a minute. She was down at the players uh, filming some things with a sponsor and noticed that there was a problem or whatever. Now, personally, and I know you'd feel the same way, we wish Nellie a quick return to the tour because after all, she's probably the only one that can beat Jin Young Ko. Yeah, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> all right. How about this dream team? You ready for this one? Yeah. All right. The Zurich Classic, the PGA Tour stop in New Orleans next month, is known for its team format and the walk-up music, right? Well, now it might be known for creating dream teams. Announced this week during the WGC Dell Technologies match play, Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland have decided to partner up for the 2022 edition. Boom. In a year where all we keep hearing about are these super team events overseas, Maybe the second and third ranked player in the world just turned the tables on everyone and started one at home. Imagine if others followed suit and the other top 10 and like some other top 10 teams were formed, right? Greg Norman, go chew on that, my friend. All right. (laughs) NFTs eat your heart out. Virtual collectibles may be growing in popularity, but there's still something about the real thing. That's why the record for the priciest piece of golf memorabilia ever sold is expected to fall in the coming weeks. What is the potential record-breaking item? It's the set of irons and wedges supposedly used by Tiger Woods during the Tiger Slam when he won four majors in a row. The clubs went up for auction Wednesday. Bidding will close April 9th, coinciding with the final round of the Masters. The clubs were first bought in 2010 by a Houston businessman who's publicly acknowledged for the first time that he's the owner of the clubs and he has kept them in a frame in his office since purchasing them. So why is he selling them? He goes, I got to enjoy them for 11 to 12 years, but I live a boring life and I don't entertain a whole lot. So they weren't getting the eyes on them that they deserve. He got the clubs back in 2010 for $57,242. 
last Tiger Woods club that was sold, one of his backup putters went for close to 400K. All right. 400K. This is 11 clubs. So, uh, Wade, you better break open the 401K, I think, if you're interested, my friend. And that's your Pro Show update for the week ending March 25th, 2022. Next week, the Pro Show's on hiatus, but we're back in a big way for the Masters the week following. So, Wade Weezer, get your rest. We're going to need you in two weeks for sure to go down Magnolia Lane. Enjoy your vacay. Enjoy your vacay. Can't wait. And I can't wait to do one little thing for my listeners. Now, before I go, I'm going to leave you all with this thought about leadership. Successful people act like CEOs way before they become leaders. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and this is The Pro Show. Thanks for joining us for today's show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart returns to the team next Friday at 3 on ESPN 920.